Welcome to the Mike on Watch podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. Hello, party people on the internet and in podcast land. <laughs> we also got our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Hello. Uh, so we are, for our listeners that might be listening to this on iTunes, we are also doing a Facebook Live right now. So if you're watching at home, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Max, you just played the Junos. Yes, I demanded that we make this episode all about me. This <laughs> in, in classic well, lead singer fashion. Yeah. yeah, I get to make those calls. Yeah, I mean, this is the Juno episode. Uh, we're going to get an insider account of what it's like to play the Junos for the whole country. Yeah. Live on TV. So I thought it'd be interesting, actually, for our listeners uh, to get a little behind-the-scenes look at, uh, you know, what a weekend in Arkellsville looks like. And when we go, to, when we kind of do anything... I like to do as much work as possible uh, when it comes to like, okay, how can we have the most fun? How can we, you know, make an impression? How can we like create a bond with the city that we're going to? Uh, so as a result, it was a very like work heavy weekend. Uh, and other Junos, I've it's been more of a party weekend, but this this year I re- was like, all right, let's let's do a bunch of stuff. So we started on Friday and we did a pop up show for CBCQ. Yeah, we did an acoustic thing for like a conference. We had to sound check for our actual performance, which was on a Sunday. So so Friday was very busy. Saturday was the day of the gala, the gala dinner, and Mike and I were presenters at the gala, which was kind of uh, Mike D, your guitar player. Yeah, Mike D, our guitar player, and um, we had to go and like rehearse. It was like literally like two lines. Like we were presenting the alternative. Was there any year. jokes? Like, did they give you any banter? So no, they didn't. So the uh, the script was like uh, the alternative album of the year is presented by Long McQuaid. Long McQuaid, our longtime supporters of uh, Canadian musicians. Here are the nominees. It was literally that that. Uh, kind of straight so but I kind of wanted to make some kind of joke uh, so you went off script so I went off script wow. a little bit I know so um, b- backstage uh, just before we were going to go on oh, so okay one minute say. okay so backstage before we went on um, Jazz Cartier who had just won rap album of the year was sort of like milling about and I had never met Jazz Cartier but I'm a big fan so I was like hey man congratulations that's awesome how's it going he's like good I was like what are you doing back here still because he, he just won his award. Normally, you go do a bunch of press. And he said, ah, oh, man, I left my cell phone on the podium <laughs> when I was accepting my award. I was like, thank you, God. This is the, exactly what I need. I was like, do you want to come in and like, present the award with us? That'd be funny. And also, for uh, some context, on the way up to the Junos, I had to stop at the Kingston Ramada because Dave from the Strombellas texted me, and he left his bag at the hotel. <laughs> so I had to like pull off the highway pick up Dave's bag. I took a photo of me looking like, you know, very disappointed. And then I, I took another photo of me handing the bag back to Dave and him going like this and being ashamed. Uh, so I thought it kind of played in line with like me, like kind of running errands for people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so on, uh, jazz is actually kind of a shy guy. She's so like, no, I don't, I don't want to come up. I don't want to come up. Just if you can grab it though, I really appreciate it. I was like, okay. So, uh, we go up on the stage and the first thing I say is, uh, jazz Cartier left his uh, cell phone here and they got a good laugh. I was like, Jazz, your, your phone is blowing up. People are happy for you. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, you got a text from... And I just started reading the names. And actually, in retrospect, you know, I could have really, like, made it uncomfortable for his girlfriend or something. He was getting, like, <laughs> text messages from uh, ex-lovers or something. I don't know. Right. Uh, and then my joke was... So the script continued. And Long McQuaid notoriously has a very lenient uh, return policy. And we, like, for instance, we've rented a PA from them that we haven't returned like since 2013. Right. And I made a joke about them and their very generous return policy and that got a good laugh. It was kind of an insider joke. Um, anyway, July Talk won, won the award that we presented and they're old friends of ours. I kissed them all on the lips. Not Leia or Pete, but the other thing, Leia and Pete were sick. Right. But, uh, and so that was, 
that was the first part of the Saturday night. But the second part of the Saturday night was this Motown set that we uh, put together. And um, we basically uh, corralled like a bunch of our friends and had a set list of about 20 Motown songs. And uh, we did it this like little 200 cap club. And it was like an awesome night. Yeah. So how do you decide who are the friends that get in? Or were any fans in at all? Or Yeah, there was some fan- A lot of industry people were there. Uh, but, you know... Everybody who's in town for Ottawa for the weekend is like always looking for something uh, to do on the Saturday night after the gala. Uh, you had a lot of people up too to sing. Like I saw Jim Cuddy went up. Yeah. So Cuddy. So how do you decide who gets up? So basically, I sent out the list and I was like, "All right, just claim the song you want first. And by the way, Cuddy is the best. Cuddy is like sort of like the ringleader of the Canadian music industry. He's basically at every event. And you know, some people who show up to too many events are like, "Oh, that guy's at this event. Oh God!" And everyone rolls their eyes. That never happens with Cuddy. Everyone's like, that's Jim fucking Cuddy. He's the best. Because he like owns every room he goes into. He's so charismatic. He's like, he's really funny. He's really nice. But he's also very like quick-witted and can be like, he can kind of tease you too. Yeah. So um, we had him up for Ain't Too Proud to Beg. And as the beat was going, I was like, all right, welcome Jim Cuddy to the stage. Um, you know, uh, this song, we were playing a Temptations song uh, from 1966. So I was like, this song came out when uh, Jim was a child. <laughs> and just before he was going to give me a quip back, I was like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> and I, 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 I cut him off. No time to respond. Yeah, no yeah. time to respond. Sorry, Jim. Um, That's funny. And uh, we had our friend Luke from the Dirty Nil. We had Zach from the Zolas. We had the Arquettes, Amoy, Chazelle, and Alana. They all came up and did uh, songs with us. And it was really fun. Um, when you do a set like that and it's like loose and everyone's partying, are you enjoying a couple drinks as the night goes? Here's the thing. No, I, as I said, was on work modes. And I was sort of had to like keep everything kind of on track because because we've only played the songs a few times. I've, I have, I'm kind of cueing the band a little bit. Like it's not li- like it's like another day at the office. Like we kind of have to really be on our best, uh, you know, thinking like we have to be on our toes. So the... Uh, the one funny thing that happened though, we, uh, Sam Roberts emailed me back and was like, I'll do respect like the Aretha Franklin song. I was like, amazing. Um, but I noticed at the dinner and, and this isn't, uh, you know, just Sam, it was literally everybody else at the dinner. Everybody's like boozing very hard at the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> like when the hip won the award, uh, for rock album of the year, Dave from Sam's band literally stood on the table and was going hip, 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 hip. <laughs> like everyone was like on fire that night. And so, your show was later that night. And our show was later that night. And so, and this was at like eight o'clock. Yeah. Right? And we weren't going to, Sam wasn't going to be on stage with us till two in the morning. So, uh, and then I heard word, I think from you, Dan, Dan Carruthers, who's behind the camera, um, said, oh yeah, I ran into Sam and uh, he said he's, he's coming to, uh, he's coming to the, the show, but he doesn't think he knows all the words. I was like, <laughs> okay, that's good. Good to know. Uh, so then we start Respect, and Amoy, who's one of the Arquettes, and she was up for a Juno, uh, for a reggae album of the year. Shouts to Amoy. Uh, I go over to Amoy, because she's up on stage with us, and I was like, sing every damn word. Okay, you need to keep this on the tracks. She's like, I got it. And so Sam comes, he starts the song at the wrong time. I'm like, okay, Amoy, just don't stop singing. So basically, Amoy sang the whole song. Sam was sort of just lip syncing along. (laughs) (laughs) But because Sam Roberts is like the ultimate front man, and by the way, is so strikingly handsome, it's distracting. He's got like perfectly tanned skin, and he like, doesn't have like an ounce of body fat. He's just like so nice to look at. Like everyone was just like so excited. It was like, yeah, and like Sam Roberts slayed it. But like he 
He nailed the R-E-S-P-E-C-T part. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> he could spell he the could, word. He could still spell the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, shouts to Sam. Uh, anyway, we did a grand finale. Oh, the other thing is um, my parents were in town. And we did. They uh, got up and did a couple songs? My dad came up. Oh, really? Yeah. I was joking. No, what, no. What well, I, I said, Dad, get up here. We did uh, Tracks of My Tears. Oh, that, that's, nice. He showed me that song, and that's one of my favorite Smokey Robinson songs. And it reminds me of my childhood. And uh, He you cried a lot as a child? <laughs> I just love Motown, man. <laughs> uh, and so that was cool. So that, so that was Saturday night. And um, on Sunday, we got word that Brian Adams wanted to do Summer of 69 with an all-star cast for the actual Juno for the show. actual Juno show. All right, and so now I'm gonna I'm gonna frame some stuff here. So if you're listening and you're down in the states, uh, the Junos is essentially it's our Grammys. It's the biggest award show in Canada. Um, just to give it a bit of context, I probably should have done that off the top. Uh, if you're listening down in the states, you know who Brian Adams is. He's probably what the most successful Canadian musician of all time. Yeah, uh, probably yeah. Yeah. So uh, you guys get word that he wants to end the show, the big broadcast, with an all-star sing-along to Summer of '69. Yes, and so and they wanted uh, they kind of assigned verses to each person. So Sarah McLaughlin got a verse, Alessia Cara got a verse, I got a verse. Was there a party? Where it was like, am I going to get a verse? Well, no. I mean, I wasn't even no. I was. They just told me you're getting a verse. I was like, okay, sure. That's awesome. So um, and uh, assignment from the Trombellas, uh, 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 Billy Town, Ian and uh, Ben from Billy Town uh, got a verse. So it was. Uh, it was really fun. So we were all sound checking. We we're all nervous. And I was talking to Ben from Billy Town about this. He's like, "This is crazy. Like, this is insane." And I was like, "Yes." And Had you met Brian before? Uh, no. Oh, actually, you know what? Actually, on the Saturday night, I was like, "Hey, Brian, I'm in Arkells, and uh, we're uh, playing a, a set later, and uh, we're gonna do uh, Run to You in our set." <laughs> He's like, uh, "Cool." I was like. That's if uh, we we have your blessings, of course. Even when you just start saying <laughs> shit, where you're like, "Why did I say that?" Absolutely, what a weird thing to say. Yeah, and he was like, uh, "Well, uh, you consider yourself blessed then." <laughs> I was like, he was just like, and then we walked. And away. Then you just slowly back away. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. So, uh, so anyway, but he so Brian Adams was so nice, and he was he was like a really positive guy. He was like, "Guys, just think about it like karaoke." On a Saturday night, you can't screw it up. Just it doesn't matter if you get the lyrics wrong. Just have the great time. He made everyone feel really at ease. Um, and uh, there was a teleprompter though. There right? was a teleprompter there. But uh, and then what happened was uh, during the show, I was told that actually Dallas Smith, uh, who's a big, very big country act, was going to share the verse with me. I was like, no problem. So I, I coordinated with uh, Dallas that he. I take the first two lines in the verse. He take the next two lines in the verse. So, so during the show, uh, that happened. But what? Ha so once I handed the mic off to Dallas, I was like, I'm definitely sharing the mic with Brian Adams for one for one moment. So Brian Adams was sort of like looking the other direction, <laughs> not at his microphone. So when he turned around to hit the first <laughs> chorus, I was just waiting there for him. <laughs> uh, and he and he was probably like, I guess I'm sharing the mic with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he turns around and he's like, ah. <laughs> You're already like, there. All right, there's there's the guy who wants to be blessed apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, but it was awesome because the camera for that first chorus like hit me and Brian Adams like singing that singing the chorus. Yeah, and it ended up being like the thumbnail for like uh, you can watch it on CTV.ca. Uh, and like the thumbnail of the performance is that screen grab. Is that screen grab? Yeah, Brian Adams. And also I uh, from for the performance for Drake's dad, I had been wearing a jacket, but it was reversible. So I wore the purple and gold side for Drake's dad, and for the Brian Asmorns, I wore the orange thing. So I really stick out a lot 
on the performance. Like I'm just back there. Yeah, frolicking. you're peacocking. I'm very much I'm peacocking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so good though. You stood out. Yeah. So that was a lady's jacket. Also. Yeah. It was uh, a couple actually, sizes too small. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> like, we got a lot of comments on that. Too. Did you? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah uh, but I thought it looked kind of cool. It stood out, man. Yeah. Hey, you're I was there when you tried it on for the first time. Actually. Yeah, and you were you were into it, right? I thought it, I was jealous you could fit into a woman's uh, jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you looked awesome, man. It was fun. Yeah. So after it was all said and done, how did you and the band feel? Were you like, shit, we did it. Like, it happened. Was there any sort of like, uh, was it just cloud nine or were you like, ah, I wish I'd done that? Or No, it happened so quickly. It's it's like, uh, so we, we did Drake's Dad, our song, and... Um, I normally don't use in-ear monitors. I usually use wedges, but because the nature of the performance had me at the front of the stage, I had to use in-ears, which are kind of hard to get used to. Um, and basically the way it works is to, um, I get a count-in from like a voice in my head that goes one, two, three, four, and then the beat for the song comes in. I go one, two, three. We were rolling down Beale Street because that track, that like syncopated, syncopated beat in Drake's Dad, was sort of like the structure of the song. And there's a few other layers like in the music there that needed to be uh, sung to. So if I had screwed up that count, everything would have been off. Yeah, it would have been like Mariah Carey, New Year's. Exactly. So, uh, and that's what everybody's playing along to. So I was really happy I hit that. Right. Uh, yeah. Because otherwise it would. have uh, You know what? I was thinking, though, if if I had screwed up, I would have done an Adele. I'd be like, now, now, now we're doing it again. You would have stopped it and oh, restarted yeah, for it? Sure. Wow. That would have been the story of the uh, the show. Yeah. So I, and that's what I, you know, I was like, if that happens, that's still cool because we get more attention. <laughs> Do you I, get nervous for a show like that? Um, yeah, I was definitely like very uh I was nervous, but very excited. I was like, "Let's do this!" Like, I like, I like embracing it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, th- I wasn't that nervous. I thought uh, sound check went pretty well, so I was, I was feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, and and you know, we got uh, to make some notes for the production team, Insight, who do a hell of a job pr- producing the Junos, uh, and they hit all the marks that we asked them to after we had sound checked because we got to watch playback. I'm like, "Oh, it'd be cool if you got Tim's drum fill going to the last chorus, or you know, you hit Mike's guitar solo from this angle," and they were all about it. Right. Yeah. All right. Do you want to throw some questions maybe from uh, our listeners or our viewers on Facebook Live? We have a few. All right. Uh, Colin Drake wanted to know, how did the song choice come about for Max and the Boys? That's a good question. I think typically on award shows, they never want anybody to switch the channel. So they always encourage the acts to play their biggest songs. It's like the radio. It's like you just want a song that you're familiar with. And Drake's out has never been a single. Um, but, and our biggest song from the record is probably My Heart's Always Yours. But I think they're really excited about Drake's Dad because it has so much energy and like lends itself well to like a big rock and roll production. Hearts Are Is Yours is a little more linear. It's a little more just like laid back. And I and I agree with them. I think for television, Drake's Dad was totally the right song to choose. Uh, I think you sort of answered Zach Dean's question about if you get nervous before performing. Uh, Alyssa on Instagram wanted to know how drunk or high was Max during that performance? Yeah, people thought that. Um, really? Yeah, some people thought. Uh, Did you think that? Well, Max doesn't smoke weed, so I knew he wasn't high. Yeah. And he doesn't really drink, so I knew he wasn't drunk. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't even think you seemed off or weird. No, I think, uh, actually, the way Ash, our manager, put it, uh, it's just like, you know, if you don't know what the deal is with, like, the hip and, like, Gordani's, like, stage moves, you you think he's wasted mm-hmm. all the time, but that's just sort of, like, the way he is. Right. So I think for people who don't know or haven't seen the Arkells, they might think, oh, this guy's kind of a, a wild man. But our Kells fans, I don't think we're that. Well, I think you got a little teary-eyed when you started saying the North Star stuff. 
Oh, it yeah. seemed like it. Oh, like yeah. I rewound it a couple times. They could have thought you were hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just going off script. Yeah, were you I, getting teary-eyed for that no, part? No, I wasn't. Okay, no, it looked like it to me. Sweaty or something. Okay, yeah. right. Maybe it was the, the light glare. Yeah, I think I think the the red jacket like made me like look a little flush on television or something, too, which, which I think maybe people thought I was drunk. For no, you look good. Thank I, you. Well, actually, last year, I feel like you did a look off into the distance for Hamilton, didn't you? Yeah, I did. This is becoming your signature journey. Yeah, it was a performance move. It's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin just logged on and she says she loves the hat variety today. Yeah. I was oh, we're all in hats. Yeah. Well, we normally are, but all the variety. Hats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Karen had a few questions. She wanted to know, how do you book a gospel choir for an awards show? Um, yeah. So Insight Productions, uh, they help a great deal. And uh, they uh, they coordinated like a bunch, basically any of the logistics, it's like they take care of. And they found an amazing uh, group of gals from Ottawa to be in the gospel choir when you're like in rehearsal and stuff are you like joking with the ladies oh it was awesome like they were so cool and they had like literally the time of our, time of their life like they they were like this is they were saying like this is the coolest thing ever uh we all like uh we were texting about the after party afterward and and also at the shot of me and the gospel choir ended up on the front cover of the ottawa citizen so they were just like kind of on the moon and, and like so happy and oh they also said at the end they're like are you high and drunk? No, they oh. said. They said, you know, we've been talking about it, and uh, we're we're all certain that you're definitely part black. Oh, they said. And that. as a Jewish white guy from Toronto, that's literally a dream. Any <laughs> any white Jewish guy from Toronto just you know uh, wants that. So, uh, but yeah, they were awesome. And and I, sp- I ended up spending a ton of time with them too because like that part of the stage was a little bit removed. So during sound check and and also their moves were amazing. We like they had a choreographer that just like kind of. Help make it look effortless, and they totally nailed it. So it was really fun. Uh, this one could be for any of you. Uh, Karen also wanted to know, it seems the more successful a Canadian music- musician is abroad, the less likely it is that he or she will attend the Junos. Is there any resentment over this or self-righteousness from the people who do attend? Interesting question. That's a really interesting question. So I, I guess the she's getting at the idea that like Drake and Bieber uh, and The Weeknd aren't showing up. Because they're sort of like they've gone to another stratosphere. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, the way I see it is that um, these artists that are like international stars are literally having people tug at them from every corner of the earth to do something. People like are just asking them to show up to the award show in Australia and or they're on a tour. And so it's just hard, I think, to make time every year for the Junos. And as much as we'd all, everybody in the Canadian music industry would love to have them there. Uh, I think everybody also understands it's like they just can't be there every every year because they they got uh, commitments all around the world. As a viewer, Shane, how do you feel when the the, the biggest names in Canadian music don't show up for our seminal award show? Max well, was there. Yeah, that, no, yeah. it's true. Well, it's you want to see the biggest stars, right? So it is a little disappointing when you're seeing someone like when you don't really know them. I, I'm not a huge music guy, so I only really know the big acts. So. Like when you were saying Jazz or whatever his name jazz was. Cartier. Yeah, I had no clue who that was. So, yeah. I, I like to see Drake or Bieber. Just It's more interesting. Do you think as Canadians, like we're a little bit um, insecure when it comes to them not coming to the awards show? Like it's like a reflection on their Canadianness, or like uh, it's like, well, it's uh, like you should show your pride by showing up to our show. And it's like they didn't come to our house party. Yeah, I think um, – I think because there's like a politeness in Canadian society that you'd think like, well, they should though. It's it's like they're we're the family, right? Which, which I always I think that's a sweet part about Canadian culture. But also, I don't I get it. Why? The realities the, rea- of the, the realities of 
you know, people asking you to do stuff. All right. And the demand on their time. So next year, when you are in another stratosphere, will you be ditching the Junos? Yeah, for sure. I'm not going. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously, no. You know what? Uh, the the Junos have been very good to us, and uh, we, yeah, we, we'll always make time. Uh, another one. Does Max have any good stories about meeting his fans in Ottawa? Um, yeah, we did a fan fair, which is like an autograph signing thing at the the mall, and yeah, we met lots of nice people, lots of. Uh, Lots of locals came out and like got their picture taken. I'm trying to think of anything. You know. I saw on the Instagram, the Michael Much Instagram, Emma, one of our listeners, ended up in a photo yeah. with you. Yeah, she was uh, loving the pod. I was like, I because you know some stuff gets posted, and then you see, and you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, speaking of pod stuff, is I talked to Alessia Cara, and it's very weird because uh, she was on stage for this uh, final hoedown with Brian Adams. You were talking to her during the song. No, no, well, a little bit during the song. I did go over. I was like, this is great, huh? <laughs> Um, so you're talking to Leslie Cara, and I was like, "Oh, hey, you know, I'm a big fan because I am a huge fan of Leslie Cara, and I and it's always a little weird being a grown man like fanboying over like someone ten years younger than you. Sure, and but she is so cool. Like the, she has been seemingly like unaffected by her fame. She's just like, "Oh, hey, man, it's cool. Oh. She's worth three million dollars. I, I believe Liberty it. Net worth. Yeah, and she's and like I noticed her. Um, she was sitting like." across like the aisle from me mm -hmm. during the show and during one of the commercial breaks there was a Shania Twain song playing and there wasn't any cameras on her or anything like that she was just sort of like sing like singing along like not for attention just like she like liked that Shania Twain song yeah but anyway I told her I was like oh I don't know if you uh remember this but uh I produce this podcast for much music and uh it's called Mike on much and you did an interview with us and it was really good she's like oh I totally remember that like that guy was awesome I like oh. she I don't know. If she's good at selling it. If she's lying, but she uh, remembered that fondly. So I was wow. that made me very happy. That's nice. Yeah. At a fan meet and greet, you let the fans kiss you and be all over you and stuff, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I saw never... a picture where a fan was kissing. You. I, occasionally, somebody will go, "Can I kiss you on the cheek and take a photo?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Let's that... say a 40 year old man asked you that same reaction. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I won't discriminate. Would you let Shane kiss you on the cheek right now as a super fan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll ask my own questions. <laughs> I think the one kissing you was your neighbor. That oh. picture. Oh, there is a picture of me. Uh, yeah, my my neighbor, Leslie, who's been like our biggest supporter since. And her, I played in bands with her sons. Uh, she came to the meet and greet and like stood in line. Oh, that's fun. But I was like, Leslie, what the hell are you doing here? And she came to the show and came to the party. And she had a great time. That's great. Uh, Allison Campbell wants to know, after all these awesome shows the boys did every night, I want to know where they went out for late night eats. Uh, yeah, we had... Uh, across from our hotel, there was a Dunn's uh, smoked meat thing. So we did that one night. And actually, though, on the Friday, I got a lift home with Dave from the Strombellas, but I didn't have my wallet with me, and I really wanted pizza. So I was like, Dave, <laughs> can I have 20 bucks? <laughs> and he was like, okay. It was a very weird ask to, you know, at 2 in the morning. I was yeah. like, it's just for pizza, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, You're not helping the rumors. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was like, okay, here you go. I was like, see you later. And uh, so I owe Dave from the Strombellas 20 bucks. Did you get like a large pizza to yourself? No, I just got a little pizza. Oh, nice. I, there's, there's change in All my right. pocket. There's change. Oh, did you have change? Are you going to return it to yeah. Dave? Yeah. I, was like, I like it. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Speedy Gonzalez on Instagram wants to know, what was your favorite cover to play on Saturday night? Uh, Sir Duke was awesome. We never played that one before. Sorry, guys. But uh, that one's actually 
a kind of a hard song to play. There's a, like a lot of notes. I don't play. Any, I make a point of not playing any guitar for this whole set. So it's like all the heavy lifting have to be done by the I, guys. I always appreciate how much work you put your bass player Nick through. Oh yeah, there's a lot of work in the Motown set. Honestly, it's yeah. like he's got to learn so much, and he's doing all the heavy lifting. I feel like. Oh, oh, I know, but you know, I got to learn all those lyrics. That's true. Actually, actually though, to be honest. I wasn't going to be able to learn all the lyrics, so that, that's when I start delegating. I'm like, all right, you, you're taking the second verse. All right, you, you're taking the third verse. And that's good. It's a pro move. Yeah. Uh, I think those are all the Juno's questions we had, but Karen also wanted to know uh, how Shane's basement is doing. You might need to reset about the last episode. So on the last episode of the Michael Much podcast, who was Julia Michaels, uh, again, you can get the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, a whole bunch of business. Uh, we talked to Julia Michaels, who's an amazing songwriter, but then Shane came on at the end and uh, had a bit of a, a flood in his basement. Uh, I would say viewer dis- discretion advised or listener discretion advised when you listen to it because uh, there's a lot of poopy in this story. But anyway, your basement flooded. How's yeah, it doing? It was filled up with uh, shit. And uh, we cleaned it all up. We shoveled it up and uh, put all these special chemicals on the ground for a few days and then cleaned it up and then put the chemicals on again. And You had a disclaimer, too, about cleaning that you wanted to talk about. What was that? Because you, you said at the end, you go, I literally was picking up poo with oh, my bare hands. Oh, yeah. Uh, for, for some reason, in the last pod, I was saying I was picking up shit with my bare hands. <laughs> And everyone was so distracted because uh, you were about to go on the social and you were about to do an interview that people just let that go by. I wasn't actually <laughs> picking up shit with my bare hands. I was wearing gloves just because people were asking me, like, you, you know, like you're picking up. Sh- why would you buy a gas mask, buy a hazmat suit only to pick up the shit with your bare hands? No, I was I was wearing gloves. Yeah. Just to clear that up. Yeah. yeah it wasn't like a pleasure thing. Like, I really want to get into <laughs> oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, actually, one thing we should talk about, uh, since we were talking about the Junos, and it all seems like it's been amazing, but there's a little bit of controversy with the Junos. Sure. Uh, Russell Peters, co-host with Brian Adams, uh, had to, I mean, the Junos had to issue an apology sort of uh, for some comments he made about a politician and then obviously about some younger girls in the crowd. Uh, has he said anything? Does anyone know? He hasn't spoken no. about all it? All he's done is like Twitter comments that are defending him. <laughs> right. Really? Interesting yeah. move. How do you know that? Uh, Googled it. Yeah. Okay, so to clarify, uh, what were some of the things that he said? So basically, he said, "What? Well, what's the what's the politician?" Mel- Melanie Jolie. Right. Who introduced us at the Motown set. She was oh, awesome. really? I met her. She's really nice. So he said, "I don't know why she's here, but she's hot. So who cares?" Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. So right away, I you know I get commenting on her looks, diminishing her stature as a politician, whatnot. And then the other controversial thing he said was, uh, "There's a bunch of young girls in the crowd. There's a felony waiting for happen." or a felony waiting to happen. Something along those lines. So people were pretty upset about this. Do we think that people's um, outrage and concern was warranted? I think the... Yes, I totally agree why those things are not cool to say ever. And uh, and the, it's, I'm really glad the Junos, uh, you know, put out that release. The only thing I'll say, though, is that um, I just feel bad for the people at Karis, which is the organizing body for the Juno Award and the Junos, because I, I know them personally. Alan Reed, who's the president who put out that statement, like could not be a better leader for the Canadian music industry. Like I really admire him. Um, he's such a positive force and I know how hard they work. And it's just sad to me that they literally worked the whole year to put on this show. And then the whole show is just diminished into two lines that they're, host said totally off script 
so that's just the, the disappointing thing is that and Russell Peters is known for going off script. Also, Russell Peters sells out arenas all around the world. He probably doesn't even care. Like and and you know anyway, I just that's sort of the, the most unfortunate thing is that if you were to read coverage of the Juno Awards, it doesn't get any praise for like the diversity uh, that existed in the show or the performances or just like the the delightful moments that happened throughout the night and on the weekend, the only thing that goes, well, this, this thing happened anyway. So it just, it steals the narrative, steals the narrative, which, sure. which I think is disappointing. It's a, it, it definitely like Mars an event that so many people put so much work into and is yeah. like, you know, one of the biggest events in our country. What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I don't know. Like he, I don't think it really marred the event. That saying, like the it, coverage it, it, after anything yeah. on my f- Facebook feed from like friends and stuff was like, was all about the Russell Peter comments. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and then that's like a lot of the narrative around. Like he also made a comment about how he left a dog in his car to Sarah McLaughlin, yeah, who's exactly. involved with animal, you know, rights. animal rights and stuff. Yeah. And then he he went, "I'm kidding, for God's sake!" And then so that never got any heat. Like, do do people get like um, like he's one of the most controversial comedians. He's known for riffing more than he is for uh, jokes. And when he his scripted jokes are all about racial controversies and, yeah. and doing imitations of Asian men and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Russell Peters is going to say something that's borderline offensive. That's his whole bread and butter. If you look at any YouTube comments, which I did this morning, every comedic set is all just this guy's a racist and then someone defending him. And then yeah. every single comment is controversial on his any YouTube performance he's ever done. I and I don't know if he had said... Oh, I'm kidding. It's it was just like a hack joke, like an uncle might say. It just wasn't that funny. And the joke about the woman being hot, like I don't know, Pierre Trudeau's number one thing anyone says about him is he's hot. His looks take the forefront more than anything he does politically. Yeah, but you have to respect like the power dynamics there that make it un- like. I don't know, but it's, if it's, you're a comedian, your job calling is calling a guy hot and calling a girl hot, as Mike said, diminishes mm-hmm. her role as a politician in what she actually. Brings. If he had said. Uh, Hey, she's here. I don't know why, but hey, I'm a single guy and she's attractive. So who cares? That maybe would have been better. Uh, I think that's kind of no, the core you, of the joke. You no, know, I, I understand what the core of the joke is. I, it just if I was Russell Peters, I think the genius is if you can like walk that line mm-hmm. and say something that is like a little shocking, but not gonna like offend everybody. Uh, right. And, yeah. And that's a hard thing. That's a very hard thing to do. But uh, of course, how do you filter that in the moment when comedy, the nature of comedy is all about risks? Yeah. Right. No, so true. You're and definitely he took some risks and he, and he probably nailed a few jokes. And then but, you know, like uh, just I wasn't out searching for controversial stuff yesterday, but I was just happened to be watching. It's always sunny in Philadelphia with your uh, doppelganger. Yeah, don't say Charlie that. Day. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, anyway I'm watching the show Day. and um, uh, one of the scenes is uh, they, they own a bar and they're trying to act very uh, nice for the, the bar patrons. But then it doesn't work, and uh, one of the girls who works there gets one of the bartenders upset, and he starts strangling the girl, and they get into a fight. And then it's just that, – that was the joke. It's just that he was hitting a woman. And I don't think they were, like, making light of female violence. No, yeah, I mean – And SNL this past weekend made a very – like, with Bradley Cooper, made a pedophile joke. Yeah. It was a rerun, but still. Like, it was very overt pedophile joke. Yeah, I, th- I just think context, time, place is very important. And, and SNL it, means something different than the Juno Awards. And those well, are all com- the Oscars or whatever. But those are like, comedy shows, too, that are doing something different than... I mean, people aren't tuning in the Junos. It's not the Russell that, Peters comedy show. It's, yes, it's to it celebrate music. It, it, they hired a comedian to host the show. When the Oscars get Ricky Gervais, it's a, essentially a comedy show to host. The Golden Globes. The Oscars would never get Ricky Gervais. Well, whoever, Chris Rock. It, right. It's a comedy show, and it's always very offensive. 
I mean, and that's the interesting question. It's like, you know, what do you think you're getting when you when you hire Russell Peters? And it's like, is there a conversation that goes on before where it's like, hey, the focus here is to celebrate the best in Canadian music. This is our sort of annual celebration. Like, make your jokes. But it's like, I guess, are you hiring? Like, if you get bit by a dog that's bit people before, are you silly for trying to pet it? I guess is maybe a question. That being said, he's a huge comedian. They did have a different host who had to pull out for family reasons. And so, you know, Russell stepped in and Brian stepped in. And uh, I think to Max's point, I guess the, the biggest shame is that people are mostly talking about this in the aftermath as opposed to other things. Yeah. yeah. Like Dave Chappelle's comedy show, which is just a comedy show, he made a bunch of homophobic comments. He even used the, the F word in referring to gay people. Are you talking about his latest stand-up on Netflix? Yeah, and that doesn't seem to be causing huge... Because he's popular right now. He's I in fashion. S- I saw a really interesting uh, comment about... Because I watched that one. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's good. Uh, somebody tweeted, um, watching Dave Chappelle is like 70% laughing your ass off and 30% cringing and feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% true. And I think that's kind of like the genius of him pushing boundaries. But he definitely says uncomfortable things. But again, that's Dave Chappelle's forum. The Junos uh, were a different platform. Yeah. We're going to wrap this baby up right now. Max, you did an awesome job at Junos. Thank you. Show was great. Were you mad you didn't win it? This is your first time oh, winning we, a Juno, isn't it? Oh, no. I mean, the two categories we were up for were the, the tragically hip categories. Right. And uh, you know what? In the back of my mind, I was like, you know, if we win, like, what am I even going to say? Like, nobody wants to hear from me. Like, everyone just wants to hear from the hip. And it would be a weird year to win. So I was actually, I'm not just saying this, like, kind of relieved that we uh that we didn't win because mm-hmm. it would because again it's like what am, what am I gonna say that right. anybody wants to hear? So I was I was very happy for the hip those guys deserve it. They actually the one uh, a little controversy was that they you know they cut off the hip that was the other big narrative and I don't know whose snafu that was on Insight but um, but I talked to Paul after that and he was like oh, I didn't know that they were playing me off and uh, <laughs> and I'm still kind of shaking from it like he was. Uh, yeah, I think he was taken a little bit by surprise. But again, you know. Did it, the it, hip it, deserve it, to win, or was it more of a tribute to what's going on with Gord Downey? And it was like. No, I think they put out an awesome record. I think any of the bands in a vacuum could have, like, taken home the award. Mm-hmm. But uh, it makes 100% sense right. that the hip won. But under different circumstances, would you think the hip still would have won? Uh, maybe. Right. Yeah, it's hard to say. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Again, Mike How Much Podcast. You can get us on iTunes, uh, YouTube. Uh, you're watching this on Facebook Live, much.com, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, you can follow us at Mike How Much on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, like, leave a comment on uh, iTunes, which is usually what you say. But Yeah, do that stuff. Support the show. Share with your friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next week. We don't die on the weekend. Okay.